Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Okay. I'm really happy to be joined by four guests. We've got John from the United Way YouTube channel. We've got James, who's joining us, who's an ex-West Ham fan. I'm delighted that to get those two perspectives. And we also have Doug from the Dugout Football Channel. Um, in case you haven't listened to Cop On before, we, we love having Doug with us and, and we, we recommend that any Liverpool fan checks out the Dugout football channel on YouTube. And uh, Brian is also here, regular contributor all the way from Hong Kong. And I'm absolutely delighted that all four guests are here. We've got a lot to talk about. There may not have been a game yesterday, but there hasn't been a Cop On for about two weeks. And in that two weeks, all manner all manner of palaver and hoo-ha and, you know, the rumbles and in the jungles of, of football life. It's all been happening and uh, I'm delighted to be talking about all of this, but there really is only one place to start and that is the protest at Old Trafford yesterday. Um, in the Guardian newspaper today, which is Monday as we're recording this, um, Jamie from United We Stand uh, wrote a very interesting article which starts... Uh, Jamie wrote, brilliant. Sunday was the best outcome we could have got. It was the plan all along to get the game delayed or abandoned. That was certainly the intention from a good number of us. And I'm going to start with John from the United Way. Welcome to Cop on Podcast. You're very welcome here. And I just want to ask you very simply, how do you feel about yesterday, John? How do you feel about the protest? Well, it was uh, an interesting time to be there. Um, I, I've, I was in the thick of it, apart from when they uh, did storm the pitch. Uh, I, I first found that out when I was being uh, interviewed by the BBC, to be quite fair. Um, it, but in a way that it probably was the plan to disrupt what was going on in the Premier League and the, in the actual the game as well. We have something that we've strongly believed in for a long time. A lot of fans may look at it as go, well, it's just because of the Super League or it's just because you haven't um, won something in the last X, Y and Z years. But it really isn't. You know, it's about the 16 years of being run, mismanaged and having billions stolen off us. And you will get those fans that have got so annoyed that they do what they have to do to make a stand. Now, I don't condone in the violence that was caused there. I don't condone the damage that was caused there. But I understand that's the main one. Absolutely. And, and, and uh i mean i don't know i live in france france is famous for for having loads of protesters and people are very sort of politically active and they're they're used to sort of making a ruckus here in france and i do i do appreciate it even though i don't often get involved in the protest myself i do appreciate that it's a very important part of life actually is to to stand up for what you believe in but what exactly were were, were you doing uh, yesterday at, at the protest john can you can you sort of paint a picture of what it was like to be there and what you were doing there please of course yes um well i was there as a a friendly protester you know i I wasn't there to cause a ruckus myself i did want my voice to be heard in the most polite and pleasant way singing the songs 
at first when we're walking down down the road to Old Trafford, you can see many of a fan with their banners uh, attached to railings and taking like pictures and videos of them. Then going into it where I was about an hour early and it was raining. So I was thinking to myself at the time, I was like, I wonder if it will be as good a turnout as we expected because of the rain. But it then dried up and the protest started to get build a little bit of momentum, a few people turning up. We had, I think, some Liverpool fans turn up. They tried to rip down the 50 plus one uh, banner that was being held up in front of the Trinity statue. That ended up in a little bit of a kickoff. Then it calmed down a little bit. And then we had uh, some resentment from Man United fans to Man United fan channel YouTubers. So that kicked off a little bit. And then it just settled down into the actual, into the actual protest. So you just had flares. Uh, not flares, but, you know, uh, smoke grenades being let off green and gold and red. That was being, they were being flooded in this, in the, uh, in the sky. Also, <laughs> you had one protester that brought a fountain firework, <laughs> which was kind of hilarious to be quite honest with you, because we all started singing, uh, what the, is that? And yeah, it was kind of kind of hilarious because he wasn't expecting someone to bring a basic sparkle or a Roman candle to the to the protest, but he did. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, and then, of course, you could see on the news that they started bringing, um, bringing, uh, going through the the tunnels to get into the into the stadium. Which, again, being at the back of the protest, I didn't know what was actually going on at the time. I just knew that we were moving forward, moved railings to go forward, then had fans stood on top of buildings. Some fans got into the actual uh, windows, as in, like, they got in, went up the, up the stadium, and they were in a couple of the top windows. We could see them there. It, it was an absolute hectic one, singing the songs, you know, saying how much we want the Glazers out, and maybe some some nastier songs that you probably wouldn't want to be uh, airing on a uh, YouTube channel, should we say, but it usually rings out in the ground when we're, when we're in there. It's, and, of course, it ended up being a little bit more um, quieter by the end of it, so I think it all started like kicking off. We saw a lot of the police started forming around about half four, half four in the afternoon, so you could tell that they were looking to disperse the the fans and I decided that at that point as I saw the police moving I thought I'm moving out before the the thing gets a bit nasty and I did and when I got home I realized that it did get nasty you know police pushing around fans and getting the buttons out and stuff so you know that's what protests are like in the end you do get some bad eggs that maybe go and break down doors and stuff it's 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 an old tactic though for the police as well if they want to disperse a crowd um, especially if there's a lot of money and tv rights money going around on this game that's supposed to go ahead uh, but anyway in any kind of protest it's an old police tactic to get some plain clothed policemen to go at the front of the crowd and start throwing stuff at the police and that gives the police 
a um, you know a legal right to then charge the crowd and disperse the crowd. So this is like uh, sometimes how it works. Although sometimes there are genuinely idiots who will throw stuff at the police and uh, who are not there for peaceful means. But it's like it, it's the oldest tactic in the in the crowd disbursement book. But uh, no, very interesting, John. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I just want I just got one more question for you, John. Before before we go into the other uh, guests, and that's. Um, like clearly the goal of the protest is to demonstrate just how much the United fans want the Glazers out of your club, right? But I'm just wondering if, well, do you think that there was another way of expressing that that maybe would have been better or not? I mean, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on this. I think it was a good thing. I, yeah, probably think it's a good thing to go and protest in the way you did. Uh, but not you personally, but you as as United fans. But I'm just wondering if you think that that you know, in retrospect, because there was damage done to the, to to Old Trafford and and things like that, maybe was there another way of uh, of doing it that would have been just as as effective, or maybe more? No, I honestly don't think so. Um, how many how many times in in human history have we had protests that have been quiet and un you know unceremoniously uh, with their attitude and it actually work it's it's a difficult one like yeah i don't condone violence and i don't condone the criminal damage but at the same time how does anyone make a point like if it was just a peaceful protest you'd have had it just oh some people gathered outside old trafford and sang a bit you know in 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 america they weren't even reporting it like it was a protest it was like it was basically a disturbance outside of old trafford even though it was completely the opposite for that i i can't see a, a different way of doing it because the idea the goal as you said was to get the glaciers out of our club with the money that they've they've taken through dividends through selling the the shares that they have at old trafford and just putting us into so much financial problems of debt you know i think it roughly works out to like two billion pounds that has been ripped from us in in 16 years and we had people on twitter and stuff like that going oh how dare these scum protesters uh do this sort of thing if it was a premier league moment for manchester united we wouldn't have done that no we would have done that i can guarantee you on that it's just because the day that the protest had turned up it, it, it makes no difference if it was a premier league winning uh game or it was just the one we we had with against liverpool but that is another thing it's, it's one of the biggest games in 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 england in, in the outright, like Liverpool versus Manchester United, it's like a Northwest derby, and you, you had to make a statement, and this is what we did. Again, I, I don't condone what they did, but I understand one one day of of unrest in Premier League history to the sixteen years of the Glaciers ripping out every single Manchester United fans' hearts with the poor running mismanagement of a club and it it had to be done it may have annoyed a few people here and there you know not being able to watch the game but i just think they've just been a little bit 
soft in my in my mind. End of the day, it's it's one day of us standing against the the people at the you know at the top of the top of the tree who just suck everything out of our club. If we'd been if we had the opportunity to have all that money put back into our club, we wouldn't be in the situation. We'd be winning everything still. Now, this is where the idea is: how do we get an equal playing ground? We need this 50 plus one. We have to get it in. We need the fans to be with the rights to vote on what goes on. And that's not just in Manchester United's book. That's in every single club's book. It doesn't matter if it's West Ham. It doesn't matter if it's Liverpool. It doesn't matter if it's Arsenal, Chelsea. Even though teams like Chelsea and City won't turn around and go against their owners because they're actually happy with what their owners have done with the club, we, as Man United fans, aren't. You know, even Liverpool... Liverpool fans, I'm guessing right now, they're not happy with what the uh, FSG group or whatever has done, but they can't complain the fact that they've brought them a Premier League and a Champions League. Of course, I know you've won Champions League in the past, but your first Premier League, you know, it must mean a lot to you. And I know I, when I was a kid, I, I remember those feelings, seeing the first Premier League of my existence being lifted and it, it, it felt awe-inspiring. You know, so I can't say that it would be any different to a Liverpool fan, but they must have that level of pissed offness to think, you know what, this is not what we wanted in the Super League. How can you actually not think about us fans? And that's again because it's an Americanized franchise, the sports over there, and then they're not they're not bringing it into a, a European uh, sport like football, and that's I think the problem. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I get it. I really, really get it. Um, uh, And thank you for for such an eloquent explanation as well. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm going to go to James now. James, tell the listeners a little bit about your story because, um, you know, you grew up a diehard West Ham fan with, you know, lots of family links to, to the club. And you know, you understand the importance of, of, of owners making, you know, pretty horrific decisions, don't you? So can you tell 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 people about uh, about your journey with West Ham, please? Yeah, sure. Um, well, basically, my dad um, is a big West Ham fan, still is. He's a season ticket holder. Um, he went to his first match in 65, you know, and... Uh, so when I was a kid, I was brought up on all those stories of uh, Bobby Moore and, uh, you know, Peters and Hurst and Brooking. And uh, I was a fanatic. I went to my first game in 88. I was four years old, sitting on my dad's shoulders of the terraces, you know, before just before the seating came in. And I was a season ticket holder. Um, I was as, you know, die hard as they come. I mean, I remember one time I slept on a, uh, a bench at St Pancreas so I could take the early morning bus up to Middlesbrough to watch a pointless end of season game, you know. So, yeah, um, I was a huge West Ham fan. And of course, there was the um, Golden Sullivan bought the club 10 years ago. And uh, and then they promised um, that they would leave Upton Park and move to Olympic Stadium and you know, I, I think there was a lot of split among West Ham fans. Some thought it was a good idea, some thought it was a bad idea. But they tempted a lot of West Ham fans with the cheaper ticket prices, right? So they, 
they said, you know, we're going to have the cheapest season tickets in the Premier League and and all of this. And um, they persuaded a lot of West Ham fans because uh, basically through a lot of lies, they said it's going to be a world-class stadium. Um, the seats, are going to, the retractable seats are going to go right up to the pitch. It's going to be the same as the Emirates or Wembley. Um, just basically lie after lie after lie. And then, of course, the first game of the season, everyone's like, what the hell is this? It's not even a football stadium. It's a joke. I mean, I don't know if any of you have been to um, whatever they call it now, the Olympic Stadium or <laughs> the West Ham Stadium. Uh, it's it's horrible. It's not West Ham. Uh, you know, they completely ripped the heart and soul out of the club. Um, because, you know, a football club, it's it's not just... Uh, it's not just a building with you know four four sides. It's just a lot more than that. Um, you know, for me, for West Ham, it's um, Upton Park was a huge part of that identity. I mean, not just the area, of course. You know, there was the '66 and Bobby Moore and all the rest of it. But um, you go to you know going to Upton Park. I take the uh, the tube up to you know. Um, I'm from sorry, I'm from Guildford, and I'd uh, take the train up to London, and you'd get on the underground, and you'd see the other fans, and you'd get to Green Street, and you'd come out at Green Street uh, tube station, and you'd see all the sort of um, hats, uh, scarves, and badges um, setters, and all the stalls setting vintage programs, and the hot dog stands, and then you'd have all the all the pubs like proper East End pubs, and um, uh, just that whole feeling around that whole area the whole the whole it wasn't just the stadium i mean the stadium they you know the redevelopment of upton park wasn't that good anyway but just that whole area there was so much history attached to all the streets around upton park and um you know the pie and mash shops i know it's a bit of a sort of a cockney stereotype but it's very true you know you had all of this and um and then the olympic stadium uh, i mean it's just not west ham it's you know, those sort of pubs and pie and mash shops and jelly deals have been replaced with wine bars and shopping centres, you know. And you go, I, I went to one game at the Olympic Stadium and I vowed I'm never going again. I mean, who knows, maybe one day, you know, West Ham will move back to their roots maybe um, and that might change things, but uh, it's just an awful experience. The atmosphere is terrible. Um, you know, you're sort of you're in the stadium, and you're just like, I don't recognise my club anymore. What's happened to it? Like, you know, a lot of kind of, um, you know, when a goal was scored, a lot of people standing up and clapping, and I'm like, well, they're not, you know, that's not Upton Park. That's I don't know where. Um, you'd see some of the old school fans, you know, but they're not. They weren't all together. So just everything about it was just terrible. I mean, it wasn't. It's not even West Ham Stadium, of course. They rent it. So, yeah, um, just uh, very disappointing. Um, uh, my dad still goes. He's a season ticket holder. He, you know, he's obviously very critical of the owners. But he still buys, you know, the, the, the season ticket every year. And I say, well, you know, Dad, why, why do you keep doing that? You know, if you... Um, in fact, what, one thing, the, the previous speaker, so I didn't... Um, remember your name uh i know at the moment obviously we can't go into the the stadiums because of covid and everything um 
But, you know, the Glazers, um, I guess they've been at Manchester United for 10 years. And, you know, it's like... 16 years. 16 years. Oh, God. So, yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah. 16 years. And I, I completely support the, the Manchester United uh, protesters or the Liverpool protesters. I'm completely with them. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, you know... You said that you can only protest, and at the moment, of course, that's the case. But, you know, in the past, it's like, well, Old Trafford was always sold out. Well, you know, why weren't fans refusing to buy season tickets? Why weren't fans, you know, refusing? Now, I'm not criticising the Manchester United fans here. It's the same at West Ham. It's like, you know, well, if you want to change something, don't buy the season ticket. Don't go, you know, hit them where it hurts. I think some some fans did that for for a couple of years. Like uh, Jamie from United Stand was um, saying in the Guardian piece that he did that himself for a number of years, but that didn't change anything. And like you say, with West Ham, some people do, some people don't. You know, because it's it's also part of someone's identity to go to the match, and it's part you know such a an important part of their life. So I do kind of understand both sides of people who 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 will want to, uh, you know hit the owners where it hurts which is in their in their pockets which is you know what they mostly think about um but you know regarding the owners of of West Ham though uh James would would like i mean cuz you said a lot of it is 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 linked to the to the relocation of the club as well if the if new owners came in um and but they didn't want to move back and develop a new site on the old uh, Upton Park uh, site or very near to there um, would you would you feel more of a connection I mean is, is I mean how much of it is to do with the owners themselves having made an awful decision uh, to to leave uh, your spiritual home I mean how much would be repaired if you if you changed the owners if the owners changed hands well yeah I it's it's hard to tell I mean there have been rumors of um, an American takeover, but <laughs> you know, I'm not with the Glaciers and FFT and what's happened with some other clubs. I'm not so sure about that. Um, uh, I mean, I I would love West Ham to move back to um, to to the West Ham or East Ham area. Um, I think it is possible uh, one day, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot of I remember a lot of rival fans were very critical of the Olympic Stadium deal and they sometimes forgot that it was the West Ham fans that were suffering the most from all of this so there's always that talk about you know taxpayers money and everything and it's like you know we're <laughs> you know we we weren't happy with that at all or at least the majority of West Ham fans um so yeah um you know I, I only hope that one day uh no it would have to be you know because Stratford is it's East London, but it's, you know, there's no, there were no pubs there in that area. There's, it's ridiculous. So you walk from the station at Stratford, you go through a shopping centre, you go past all these posh wine bars and restaurants, this long walk to the stadium. There were no, like, burger vans or people selling, you know, hat scarves and badges because you have to buy the hot dog inside the stadium, you see, with inflated prices. Um, and West Ham, as, as you all know, is a, it's, has very strong working class roots. Um, uh, you mentioned, you know, how Manchester United was formed. West Ham was 
you know, originally the Thames Iron Works, right? That's why it was, they were shipbuilders. So it has this, um, I mean, you all know that East London is very working class. So it's just a world away from West Ham. It's not West Ham. It's just West Ham in name. It's, uh, it's disgusting. But, you know, this, 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 these things have been happening for years. I mean, look at what happened to Wimbledon. I mean, I thought that was uh, disgraceful. Um, I think it's uh, commendable, you know, what the Wimbledon fans did, um, starting up AFC Wimbledon. Um, but that should never have been allowed to happen. But it did. So it's like with, you know, the Super League, it's, um, which of course was, was ridiculous. Um, but it's like these terrible decisions have been done for many years now. And I think, I mean, it's, it's, let's not forget, this was a wonderful moment when the fans, you know, the Chelsea fans, the Manchester United fans, etc., were all protesting. Um, but I, you know, for me, it's like it can't stop here. So, uh, you know, I completely support the Manchester United fans for their protest. Um, you know, um, enough is enough. And, you know, not just for the top six, but, you know, this is a problem throughout football. It's not just the billionaire owners of the top six. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's very, it's very interesting. It's very, the wider ramifications of what's happening, what's going on these days. It's, it's, it's really, really interesting stuff. Um, Brian, I, I want to go to you next. So, Brian, like me, um, I imagine you tuned in uh, to the game, uh, well, that didn't happen, and you were watching from afar uh, TV coverage of, of the... Uh, of of the postponement is that right Brian yeah yeah I was and uh oh man I think I was talking to I uh, talking to you in the chat and the in our whatsapp group and we were talking about having a show after the game and then somebody mentioned well if that that's if there is a game and you know I feel like I've been gaslighted over the past two weeks I've just so much crazy nonsense has happened in the world of football that I think my response at the time was, uh, what the fuck's going on now, right? <laughs> you know, uh, what's happening, you know, because if you had told me there was an asteroid coming to the planet and we're all going to be dead in about two minutes, I wouldn't have blinked because that's the kind of year we've all been having. Um, and then I found out what was going on. And, you know, listen, fair, fair play to them. Fair play to the United fans. I totally understand. Uh, you know, John spoke very eloquently about uh, uh, what's going on there. And we, you know, I think Liverpool fans, uh, particularly, I think, have a. We, ironically, we we know more than most what's happening in United. We know what's happening across the game, right? Because it's it's not just one club, but there's so much similarities, I suppose. Um, with uh, the Liverpool, with the United situation, the Liverpool situation. I mean, I, I for one, don't think our owners are in the same category in terms of as bad as as the Glazers have been. Um, but you know, that, that's a perception thing. Um, but you know, look, I've listened to a lot of different people talk about the situation, and um, uh, sorry, it was. Uh, was it James? James was speaking just there as well. Again, I, I totally, uh, I'm 100% behind everything James said. I think we're all getting to that place now where James has been. But, you know, we're getting to that place with Liverpool and a lot of people are getting to that place with United. And that's what you're seeing now, that um, 
just a different breed of football fan in 2021. And we just get a bit fed up with uh, uh, being um, belittled and, uh, you know, talked down to. I mean, mean, if you want to go way back, it started off with Thatcher and and her efforts to criminalise football and football fans as as a whole. And, um, you know, and then things got a little bit better, but it's starting to rear its ugly head again. And it's interesting to see the coverage of uh, the United uh, protest yesterday on Sky News and Sky Sports. It's universally, well, I would say I, I just went in and had a look now just for my own uh, interest on, on the Sky Sports uh, page. It's all negative. It's all oh, they were throwing missiles at the police officers. They did this. They damaged that. You know, all of that stuff, you know, all across the website. And really, it's <clears throat> it's just an expression of frustration. And uh, I think, you know, in a weird kind of way, what happened with the uh, the European Super League is probably, the, probably it'll, it'll end up being the best thing that happened in football because football, for me, it was so unstable financially. It's interesting that James is on the call uh, tonight because... Um, you know, when I'm not talking nonsense about football, I'm a headhunter over here in Hong Kong. And uh, I remember, God, I can't remember, maybe, maybe five, six years ago, I met a guy here who said he met up with the chairman of West Ham. Uh, I can't remember when it was, maybe it was pre or post takeover. And he was advising him on organization and just how to kind of run the whole thing a lot more smoothly. And he said, he said to me, he just could not believe how Mickey Mouse the whole thing was. Like literally markers and whiteboards and, uh, you know, it, 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 I think what happened is, you know, football went from jobs for the boys uh, and then a shit ton of money came into the game. And a lot of those people who were <laughs> jobs for the boys were still floating around the game and still are to this day. And it's and it's just not run well, you know. It, financially, it's not run well. Look what's happening in Spain at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've just gone over the sh- all over the place there. But I just think all of these things are connected. And um, I, I have to say, I was really surprised at how uh, I don't know deeply, but th- that EFL, that the European Super League, and I'm normally a very glass is half full person as you know that really was a kick in the balls i i just thought to myself i understand it i understand why they're doing it i understand why those clubs are doing it and i i get it i part of me thinks it was it was a calculated move and this is perhaps where they might want to be anyway um but you know i i think we've got we've all reached the same point now i think football fans across up and down the country uh, you know across europe i think to an extent as well because it wasn't just england that was under uh, a lot of uh, existential threat the whole football pyramid across europe could have caved in um perhaps um football's not a business you know we we you know uh, football's culture football is a religion it really is i mean if you if you know anything about religion football fans behave like religious people do and it's about time that governments uh in various countries stepped in and start treating it um like it is culture and like it's it it's so important to the community it's so important for things like mental health 
um, in these testing times. Football is the only thing some people, not just some, most football fans have to cling on to um, in terms of a positive story. And it's a lifelong obsession with, you know, most people. So, I mean, I'm, I think that the, the salute that I think what's going to come out of this is that uh, the 50, 50 plus one um, thing is, is going to take center stage because it's the only thing that makes sense. And I think really the most important thing right now going forward is that football fans join together um, and unite in, in one club. Somebody needs to set up a club <laughs> and we all join that club um, uh, to deal with this issue because we all love this game. It, you know, I feel sorry for people who don't follow football because it's it's just drama baked into the cake every day of your life. Um, and I love it. And I can't explain it because it doesn't make sense. Um, but we are we are at risk of losing it because those money got men um, at that level, you know, uh, they're so detached from people on the street where you know, on any form of business all they see is 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 uh is numbers and and sophisticated ways of extracting those numbers and these these guys are incredibly smart really clever very shifty um and if you give them free reign um they'll destroy they've destroyed entire regions you know and uh, the only way to control them is through legislation from governments because they won't they won't uh, manage themselves, you know, as has been seen, that they will eventually eat each other up because there's too much money on the table. Um, you know, you can have generational yeah. wealth. And that nobody passes that test. This is the problem, right? So if you, if you we all, we're all well-meaning football fans. We all like to think that we're good people. But if I said to you, okay, uh, yeah, that's great that you think all that, but I'm going to give you a you know, $500 million, it's off the books, it's just for you, but you're going to have to go against all of that, what you just said, then most people take that money. And if you don't take that money, you're crazy. Um, and that's at the root of the problem. But these guys, these owners of, you know, um, various different clubs, they, they, they have figured out how to extract money from all different types of situations. You know, look at look at our owners, FSG. I mean, I was really happy when they came into the club because I know who they are and they are smart, smart money guys. And look, they've taken our club. They bought it for 300 million. And now, it, you know, three billions being muted around, which is good for us because, you know, it means that there's better players on the pitch kicking the ball around. But there comes a time. It's like the financial industry a couple of years back everybody's doing cocaine and making money. Literally, that's what it was, because it was like that here in Hong Kong. Literally, people were just doing cocaine, making tons of money. And eventually, because there's no regulation, the whole shit cake falls in on itself. And I think that's kind of where we've reached now at football and, and something needs to change. Really interesting stuff, Brian. I mean, you covered a lot there, but uh, no, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, Doug, maybe it's all going to cave in like uh, the middle part of someone's nose if they do too much cocaine. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, uh, Doug, what what do you make of it or how do you feel about the protests and this this movement and so many fans becoming disenfranchised with, with, uh, with their clubs? I'm going to tell you a little bit of a... Uh, a story now. Um, my Scottish club, Livingston, have been on the brink of uh, going out of business for like the last yeah, couple of 
um, couple of years now. I think like uh, like we've we've been very very financial trouble, and I I remember a time when uh, we had owners and they just did not give a monkey's about the club. Um, in all honesty, so I I can definitely um sympathize towards Manchester United supporters. I think it's I think it's fantastic what they uh you know the protests yesterday. Look, the Glazers have been there since two thousand and five. I think that I think that's that's no no real surprise at all that they've been there since two thousand and five. The fact is that they have been there sixteen years for far too long. Now, when is the game going to be rescheduled? That is that remains to be seen. Um there is been there has been a few dates that have been mentioned today, for example. But you know, you're you're looking at it now. We're as we speak, twelve oh nine. You know, if if you want to reschedule it today, then you're going to have to like move it to like the Monday night football slot, and that's already like Burnley against against West Ham. So I don't see that one happening. Another date was the sixteenth of May, which is the day after the FA Cup final, and um, that would be. Uh, that would be, I think, um, I think it's either Mon- Sunday or Monday. There was another date that was mentioned that was the 21st of May, uh, and that that would be two days before the end of the season. Now that that would be that be very very you know tight uh, and only a, a you know a day's rest etc. But I actually I absolutely agree with what uh, everyone has said here. I think the thing is like this this European Super League um, has actually you know questioned me my loyalty to you know my football club I, I actually thought for a time that if the super league had gone through i was debating whether or not to you know continue support because the thing is like it you, you know you would get you would get loads of games you would get these like liverpool real madrid liverpool barcelona's like you always look forward to that game maybe once maybe once in like the champions league or maybe like once in like europe not every single like season not every single week so the fact that they decided to you know to get this thing across i thought was absolutely ridiculous um but i absolutely subsidize what james says because uh, you know, west ham have been you know taken over by you know gold and sullivan and, and brady and uh, yeah like i haven't actually been lucky to go to the olympic stadium and i'm quite i'm quite lucky of that but every time i see like that get that stadium on tv there's no atmosphere it doesn't look like a. It doesn't feel like a football stadium. Yes, there used to be like a an Olympic, um, like running track around the side of the pitch. I know they got rid of that, but it's not. It's not a football stadium. It's more of. It's more of a. You know, an Olympic stadium. So I. I, I totally sympathise for. You know, West Ham. Um, we've also seen. You know, the the protests at Arsenal as well. Like, um, you know, Cronkies. You know, the Cronkies haven't been great owners for Arsenal. Arsenal fans just want them gone. Um, so I think I think now we are getting to the stage that football clubs are now becoming franchises, um, and you know this American thing that you know the, the you know the Joel Glazer was at the forefront of it. I think um, John Henry was as well. Uh, Stan Kroenke. Now it wasn't Roman Abramovich, as far as I'm aware. I believe it was Bruce Buck. Apparently, Roman Abramovich actually took. Um, Chelsea um, out of the European Super League, so you know Bruce Buck is at the 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 forefront of uh, you know Chelsea's uh, attempts to get them in, um, and, and yeah, you, you as we say, you look at what hap- has happened in uh, you know Spain with you know Barcelona and Real Madrid who are so so much in debt, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable the amount of money that they are in debt. So um, 
I, I'm going to say this now. I don't think this is going to be the last of the protests. I think you will probably get uh, maybe one a month. Um, I think Liverpool fans will protest against the FSG. Um, I do also think that Arsenal will, will have more protests against uh, the Cronkies, and I would not be too surprised if Manchester United have more protests against the Glazers. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, but uh, I'm really interested in Livingston as well, Doug. I mean, you know, there they are sort of, you know... At the 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 lower levels, if you'll excuse me for for saying that, of the of the football pyramid, um, and I worry about it because you know, speaking as a fan and understanding other fans and other fans' passion and obsession and commitment to their clubs. I mean, people have football shirts at their at their funerals all the time. They ask for them. You know, can you put my football shirt there? Because it means so much to them throughout their entire lives for their identity and things like that and 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 Doug I mean how fearful are you you know with with Covid and a post-Covid world how fearful are you Doug that uh, you know Livingston might go under? I am very fearful um you know there there, there are there are a couple of teams in like the, the Scottish Premiership I think I think you've like Hamilton, St Mirren um you know most of them are like you know um, owned fan based um, etc um, Livingston had a, a couple of owners um, called the Masonis uh, I think it was um, Angelo Masoni he took the club right down to the ground and it was only it was only for uh, a limited time that uh, like an, uh, an Irishman I think his name was Jed Nixon came in and actually saved the club from going under um, Livingston have been demoted to the, to the third division uh, a couple of times now Um Obviously, because of financial financial trouble. Like I, I was lucky to go to the CS Cup final when we beat Hibernian two 0 in two thousand and four. That was a fantastic moment for the for you know the, for the football club. And you know, recently it's it's been very very good. Like the you know the the rise of you know Livingston since uh, you know twenty seventeen um, twenty eighteen season when you know they were you know they were in the you they were in you know League One and then they got up to the Championship and then you know went up to the, the premiership and, you know, they've managed to establish themselves as a, you know, a, 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 a you know, a Scottish premiership side. They've now been in the, the top flight now for uh, three seasons and, you know, they finished ninth uh, one season and then um, the season before that, they finished fifth. And as, as we speak, they are sixth uh, at the moment um, as well. So, but the problem is the, the, the Livingston fans, the Livingston fans are a very, very interesting bunch because, they actually have set up like a fund to actually just keep putting money into the club. Now, I I, I absolutely applaud that. I think it's a fantastic idea, um, and it's 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 just it's just for us to give something back to the you know the the, the club. Um, it's been really really horrible seeing um, empty stadiums in Scotland. I don't think I'd ever ever see that um, as well. And uh, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I've I've been, I've been going every. Um, weekend uh, most of the time I, I try to get to as many away games um, as possible as well so that's something I've been really really missing out and uh, it, it's going to be very very special when we get uh, when we get back but um, yeah I, if if Livingston could keep putting money into their club then I think I think they're going to be fine I do worry for like lower league clubs like um, Brecon City they seem to be in a lot of financial trouble Sterling Albion as well so you know, lower league clubs are going to you know suffer the the brat of it, and I really hope that we can actually you know save these clubs. But uh, it is very concerning. Well, thank you for that, Doug. Um, that's really really interesting stuff. And yeah, uh, thank you for very diplomatic uh, diplomatically 
exposing my ignorance of, of to how well uh, Livingston are actually doing because I did I, I actually had forgotten they were, they are actually a Scottish Premier Premiership team so forgive me for that um, but uh, John John from the United Way uh, YouTube channel remember to check it out listeners um, going back to you I mean Doug mentioned there a model that um, could work for even a club as, as massive as Manchester United and that fans could possibly take ownership uh, of it although with Barcelona I mean you can see how many problems that that has caused for them with their sort of socio system um, my question to you John is really what's the what's the solution in the longer term if uh, your protests work and the Glazers do step out of the club who do you want to come in uh, to replace them well I took a second to try and think about that. You know, everyone would love to turn around and say, well, X, Y, and Z billionaire would be great. It, it's not about that, I feel. I feel I feel it has to be a sort of government-regulated system. Now, I feel the fans need to take ownership of the clubs, wherever they are. It doesn't matter if I said it's like West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, all the way down to like Fulham, Brighton. You know, this is a working class sport that's been taken over by businesses, turning them into franchises. And I think Andy Mitten stated it when they were talking to Jermaine Genus uh, yesterday, that it, it does need to be regulated by governments because even though billionaires are coming in because they, they have the cash, are they fit and proper? to run a business like that you know even though we, we we as a as a fan look at it as not a business it's a lifestyle as you said um or i think one of you said that it was like it is a religion you know it, it is i remember playing playing a fifa game when i was a, when i was younger i mean younger like and they were talking about the passion of the game and being like a religion and I understood that because I'm not an actual religious man myself, but the idea of the support that you lead, the the views and the ideas that you have from it all count. Now, if you can get the government to regulate people coming in and it being like the Bundesliga where it's 50 plus one of the shareholders, you know, I don't even care if the Glaciers sell up fully. Like, if they can just sell up enough so they're not in charge, then that would be sweet with me. You know, I'm not saying that I, w I still want them in because I want them out, but something that's worth three something billion or they want four billion dollars, who's willing to pay four billion dollars and then wait, what, 10, 15 years to get your four billion back? Because that's what you'll be doing. You know, and anyone that buys a business is not there to go, well, I'll pay for a billion and I'll just put a sticking of a billion involved and not want my money back. That's not how you become rich. You know, you, you have to make profit. And that's sometimes the long and short of it is the problem where someone who wants to make that profit will look at the team, whoever it may be, and go, well, we don't need to worry that's why the super league came out because of things like 
Barcelona who are paying Messi a ridiculous amount of money a, a week to be a basically poster boy of the old ways of Barcelona and they don't even look into their own Mazia, their own um, youth academy anymore. You know, they'd rather go out and spend 145 million euros on Coutinho. You know, that's that wasn't how they became as dominant as they once were in the olden days, you know. So yeah, you, you go away from what your business model used to be because the one that they bring in and goes, this is going to make you X, Y, and Z money. And they go, well, what can we... What can we lose on that sense? Well, we won't we won't go into our academy. Like Manchester United now, they've tried to rebuild their academy because from Jose's reign, we really didn't really look into it. You know, and Van Howe was probably the last person that really dealt with the academy properly. And we can go deeper, but you know, I'm not a an inve- I'm not an investor. I'm not I'm not like that way inclined to say this and that could be changed. But I do believe that for every club in England, doesn't matter from Manchester United all the way down to Oldham Athletic, you know, it needs to be government, government needs to be involved in it um, more heavily because they regulate benefits for people, you know, on a, on a, on a day-to-day, on a week-to-week basis. So why aren't they doing it with football? Because they're the ones that will get the money from it. You know, the TV the TV paying the government their tax for the money that they make. So it is a bit of a difficult one. But I think it needs to be governmentally, governmentally done. Yeah, very interesting stuff. It's really interesting. Uh, very interesting views. Thank you very much. Um, James, with, with the Super League... <laughs> um, I've got a question about that. Uh, we've just got a few minutes left, really. But as football is in a perilous position financially, generally, many, many clubs, including thanks in part to the Coutinho deal that John mentioned, uh, Barcelona, clubs like Barcelona are really, really, really struggling. Um, uh, if the 50 plus one, which is the, the German ownership model for those who, who, who don't know where... Um, 50% plus one share of the voting rights in any club must be held by the club's members uh, and that works all across Bundesliga um, uh, but anyway uh, sorry go back to the question James football's in a, in, a, in a perilous financial situation this is why the Super League uh, idea was was uh, formed and, and, and you know shown to the public in such a such a blundersome way um, is there a way that, you know, with some changes to that competition, if you had promotion, if you had relegation, is there a way that that would be an attractive competition to you, James? Um, I I don't think so, no. Um, like, you know, many others have said, uh, I can't remember who made the point about uh, uh, Liverpool against Real Madrid, you know, three times a season, it it becomes boring, right? I mean, the Clásico in Spain, Real Madrid against Barcelona, it's, it's special because it's only twice a year, you know? <laughs> I mean, um, 
I, I mean, I don't see how that would work with uh, promotion and mitigation. Um, uh, I mean, l l the one thing, I mean, you've, others have mentioned the financial problems in Spain. Um, they needed this a lot more than the EPL. I mean, I'm not surprised. I actually understand why Florentino Perez and um, is it Laporte, the Barcelona president? Um, I understand why they need this because, yeah, Spanish football is, a, is in a complete mess. Um, also, there's that envy of the EPL, um, you know, uh, just how popular the EPL is around the world. It, it really it dwarfs the La Liga. If you go to Thailand, you go around Asia, other parts of the world, uh, it, it's incredible. Um, and Florentino Perez wants a slice of that pie. Um, so I, I understand that, you know, completely. Um, I was just shocked that the Premier League clubs thought this was a good idea. Um, so uh, I, I, we don't need, um, I don't, this doesn't really answer your question, but we don't need more football. I think we need less football. Um, less is more. I think it's ridiculous what they did to the um, the Euro the European Championships. Right, they it used to be sixteen teams, and what's it going to be this summer? Is it twenty four now? Um, and you get you know the, the the last Euros, you had like Albania against whoever it was. You know, it's like come on, who wants to see that? Um, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I. Uh, but one other thing is. Let's not forget this is not just about the Super League. I mean, UEFA, um, I mean, the corruption in football is everywhere. FIFA, of course, I mean, the World Cup's going to be in Qatar. I mean, we all know that's a complete joke. Um, UEFA, the new Champions League uh, format, I don't know if you've all looked at it, but it's it's ridiculous. Um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's the lesser of two evils compared to the Super League, but... You know, UEFA kind of, you know, they're, they're sort of trying to be, you know, on the, the good side here with the Super League. But it's like they're, they're not that much better than the Florentino Perez's. Um, and you have other things like Project Big Picture was another idea that came out. And uh, do you remember, I don't remember a few years ago, there was this idea of taking the Premier League to Asia. The final, I don't remember what they called that project, but the... Um, like a 39th game was it and they'd have it in thailand or japan or america um i mean for me that was just 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 terrible um the thing is the super league was not just um bad from a from a football point of view it was bad from a business point of view i mean the reason the premier league is the most popular or one of the reasons let's say it's the most popular league in the world is because of the full stadiums the fact that the fans are so close to the pitch the atmosphere um you don't get that in la liga i've been to six games in spain i've been to three games in italy i've been to a game in south america it's not the same um you know so it's and the fact it's so competitive um you know in the last eight years i think five teams have won the premier league um, in Italy, it's one. In Spain, it's uh, two, isn't it? Or maybe three with Atletico. So, yeah, um, it's you know the Premier League is not is not broke. You don't have to fix it. Um, as for I, I, of course with COVID, you know, um, I am concerned about uh, you know the smaller teams and how this is going to affect them. Uh, I used to watch Woking, my local team, occasionally, or Aldershot Town. Um, and, 
yes, uh, I mean, uh, you know, the money needs to trickle down to those smaller clubs. Um, like one of the previous speakers said, you know, the government needs to, you know, take a more hands-on approach with, with these things. And, um, I mean, you know, I think, like like the rest of you said, it people, fans are so passionate about their clubs. It doesn't matter if it's Oldham Athletic or whoever it is, you know. Um, I, I'd like to think that if, if those clubs were in serious financial peril, that uh, where they were close to folding, the fans would would come together, you know, of those clubs and save those clubs. We've seen it happen before. Um, so, yeah, um, no, to answer your question, Owen, um, I can't really see how that could work. I mean, with, uh, the, you know, the Super League. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I really, I mean, you know, if they actually came up with... Uh, sort of a, a blueprint of what that would look like, of course, you, you know, you'd look at it and scrutinize it, but I, I couldn't imagine it working. Well, thank you very much. Um, absolutely. Yeah, some more great points there that you make. Um, time, unfortunately, gentlemen, is against us because we've already um, done an hour. But um, I just want to give Brian and Doug the last, um, you know, the last word uh, for today. Um, so, uh, Brian, we'll go in the same order. Uh, Brian, is there any way for you that the you know a, a, a competition similar to the to the Super League would would work, um, uh, or you know it, the whole thing, the whole idea is should be should be put in the bin forever? Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I. I feel like I don't know enough about the, the overall situation to answer that with any degree of certainty. But, you know, I just found that whole thing. The thing that annoyed me the most about it was the fact that they just didn't um, speak to the fans beforehand. There was no fan dialogue. And I think that's what upset everybody, really. Uh, it was just, we're doing this. It, it just came out of nowhere. I mean, we we all, we I say it came out of nowhere. They've been talking about it forever, right? But the way they the way they just dropped it on us, and I think they like, okay, maybe they maybe they planned it to do it this way. Maybe somebody is actually making good political capital out of, of all of this hoopla that's happening at the moment. But I think one thing that did they did underestimate was the fact that how just fucking knackered everybody is from COVID and from lockdowns and from everything else that's been going on around the world to drop that on our laps as well as everything and and actually at a time when many people are just coming out of the whole covid lockdown you know i'm i'm fully aware that you know this is a global uh, you know podcast and and there's a lot of people in different parts of the world that are not unfortunate and and hopefully they'll you know get into a better place as soon as possible but you know in in the countries where these leagues are being held uh, you know particularly the uk um you know, the situation is there's like a little gleam of light starting to 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 shine through, and you know it's been a mental mental torturous time for for all of us, right? All all fans, um, all clubs, and and non fans of clubs. You know, it's it's been difficult, and uh, you know we've we've tried to enjoy the football. You know, I mean, Liverpool fans have definitely not enjoyed the football this year, but you know we still we still took whatever morsels were served up to us, and uh, it just felt like. We were all kind of getting our shit together, 
you know, and, and these vaccines were rolling out, people were kind of, oh, business was starting to open up again. And then, bang, they just out of nowhere dropped this shit cake on us. And that just, just, it, you know, the, immediately the ramifications for that were, you know, you just knew, oh, this is, this is, this is not going to go away. Even if it does go away, you know, we're going to be dealing with the fallout for this for months and months and months, if not longer. And, you know, at the end of the day, football is supposed to be fun. You know, we all love football because it's fun. We love football because we like spending time with our mates, watching the game, having a drink, letting off some steam. It's a, it's a escape from the nonsense of life. And at the moment, these arseholes are just piling on more and more nonsense onto our plate. And I think what they what they found out is that, you know, we've just said, you know what, enough. Uh, there's only so much shit we can take. And, um, you know, I think we've all collectively reached our tipping point. And if they don't, like, address these issues rapidly, we will just stop giving a shit and move on. And that's a, I mean, I never thought I would ever say something like that. Um but that that gap will be filled by something else. People will move on to you know people people start following their local rugby team. I don't know, um, but you know I've seen it with like I'm also a, a mixed martial arts fan and uh, used to be just a complete UFC uh, nut nut job. Wouldn't wouldn't miss a single event. You know, watched them all, and then that sport just became just a nonsense as well. There was like all kinds of crazy promotions and whatever. And you, you, you fall out of love with things um, when they disconnect with the fan. The fans need to feel connected to the club. Um, football is culture. Football is community. And these guys treat it like it's a, it's a fund. It's a, it's a venture fund. And it's not a venture fund. And so I just hope, I mean, I think, I think eyebrows will have been raised everywhere everywhere at boardrooms around the world but also at a government level because i'm telling you the biggest thing the government fears is football fans uniting with each other because that's a that's a political movement right there and that's what we need to do um because we love this game we love the sport we should put our differences to one side because you know it's great to have like a west ham fan a united fan i have the utmost respect for both those guys and both those clubs even though they're you know you know fierce rivals they're you know proper clubs proper fans and um we all have the same uh we all have the same enemy now you know uh my enemy's enemy is my uh, i don't know what the quote is <laughs> so if if there's one thing i'd like to see coming out of this is fans around the world really as gary neville says unite because we have to because this is an existential threat because we cannot leave this shit up to those guys the money guys because they'll fuck it up great answer yeah there you go um, Doug, the final word with you then. Doug from the Dugout channel. Do check out uh, Doug's uh, YouTube channel, The Dugout. It's absolutely superb stuff. Um, so, Doug, the final word for you then. I mean, how, um, you know, you mentioned before you were considering, you know, quitting uh, supporting Liverpool had this had this Super League gone, gone ahead. Um, how FSG out are you doug um you know would that would that help to to bring you back uh, closer to to uh, supporting liverpool or, or are you are you happy enough with uh, john henry's apology 
to answer your question about um, his apology, I thought his apology was absolutely unacceptable. Um, it was, look, it was one thing that that I thought was read out on a a, a script or a, a sort of screen. It looked it looked it looked like it as well. The one thing that really annoyed me, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I don't know if uh, anyone else felt this way, but yellow roses. I mean that's a sign. That's that's a that's a sign of forgiveness if you get yellow roses by you. Um, I, I, and honestly, like I, I, I just did not like the whole thing and the fact that he came out with a with an apology. I don't even think Liverpool should have uh, should have actually uh, you know uh, broadcast that on their uh, socials. I really don't. Um, you know, he he went behind Klopp's back. He went behind the players' back. He, he's he's obviously gone behind the supporters' back. Um, FSG, I'm FSG out now, um, and I never usually, uh, I never was, but I would say that even though that they have brought us success, I actually am now contemplating, you know, saying this, but some of the things that they have done as owners um, have been absolutely unacceptable. They actually flew Kenny Dalglish, uh, and the, 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 this this is a true story. They actually flew Kenny Dalglish from Liverpool all the way to America just to sack him. So that was mistake. That was mistake number one. Mistake number two was the seventy-seven pound um, the seventy-seven pound uh, ticket prices. Nobody should pay seventy-seven pound a ticket. I mean that that is that's extortionate. Like I like if you remember, I think it was was it Arsenal Bayern Munich a couple of seasons ago. I think um, I think Bayern Munich fans had to pay about ninety-two pounds, and I I remember that is. But I remember there was a there was a time that they they had a banner that you know football without fans is nothing, and it's absolutely it's absolutely right to you know say that for uh, for sure. Um, so that was that was another mistake, and then uh, the, they tried to trademark the name Liverpool. Like, like who does that? Like, it, it, I honestly just do not like uh, what what is what has happened um, to to FSG. The furlough, the furlough thing that 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 was edging me ever closer towards FSG. But after this European Super League, I'm just I'm just done. I'm just done with their owners. But I do know that. I think we have to be all realistic of the fact that the Glazers, Cronkies, and FSG—they're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. You can get all your all your money. Like Daniel Ek, I think is about to, you know, put a bid in for uh, for Arsenal. But the thing is, when FSG took us over, we were worth I think three hundred. I think it was three hundred million pounds. We're probably now worth billions of pounds. So they've made their money. It's their, you know, it's their cash cow, and that that'll be the same for the Glazers. That'll be the same for the, for the for the Cronkies. But you know, if if this European Super League had had gone through, I would have still supported my club. I would have definitely support still supported my club. But it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have felt the same. Um, and imagine being relegated from the Premier League. Like that, that would just that would just really really um, annoy me. And you know, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had our. Uh, you know our rivalry with uh, you know Everton. You know, f- football football is a is a passion, and you know the the fans absolutely you know love football. But the fact the fact is, I I honestly think that that European Super League would have divided um, everybody everybody around around the world. It was nice that you know the fans managed to you know unite to get that uh, get that that, that finish. But who's to say that 
you know, this won't happen again in, you know, a couple of years' time. Um, you know, I, I as soon as we the sooner we get these owners out of our football clubs, the the better. I, I honestly think the fifty plus one rule, it works well in Germany. I think it would work well in in England. But um it's it's gonna be a very, very interesting uh, couple of uh, couple of months ahead. Um I, I don't think the European Super League uh nonsense is uh, is over yeah I, I think this is just beginning i think it could get could get uh could get messy um but no we have we have to just we have to just wait and see but uh it's been it's just been a a roller coaster two weeks and i'm thank thankfully next season we'll have a little bit of normality coming back into our lives but yeah we we can all hope for that absolutely um great stuff i mean we do have to end it there because uh I got stuff to do, uh, but I want to really thank you guys. Yes, go on, Brian. You want to say? I just want to say one thing. Let's not all forget. We can all done. Everton were not invited to the European Super League. <laughs> very true. Ve- Sorry, I just wanted to <laughs> leave out that point. It's very, very, very good point. A very good point. Well made. Uh, yes, Everton. They have been bad for many years, and they're still uh, really bad. World class manager and uh, shady uh, billionaire backing, um, you know, included. They're still, Everton is still shite, and that's something we can still cling to. Uh, But I want to thank you all very, very, very much. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to everybody's opinion. So thank you to John, thank you to James, thank you to Brian, and thank you to Doug. Uh, um, And I do hope you've enjoyed that, listeners. Uh, So, yeah, keep keep, uh, contacting us, coponpodcast at gmail.com. Um, when I started this podcast for quite a while, I was I was mentioning in the introduction to send your malware to coponpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm very happy that some listeners actually are taking me up on that and are sending me quite a lot of malware. So thank you very much. Uh, keep it coming. Um, uh, thank you very much, guys. Uh, so, I don't know, have a good day, night, uh, wherever you are. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks.